Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. On Sunday mornings, if you're part of our Sunday morning student hour, we've been talking about the parables. We talked about the prodigal son last uh, Sunday. And I've, you know, it started getting to me thinking about this prayer I like to pray. And I like to pray sometimes that prodigals will return. And I just think it's pretty cool. Like some of you I have not seen for months. Um, some of you I haven't seen in over a year. And I'm just glad that every, some of you guys, I'm just glad you're home tonight. So I just want to shout that out. Anybody need any baby powder? Got a little, got a little chafing going on? Okay. Um, so I, we got baby powder tonight. Um, so I, I'm going to start. If, if you brought your Bible, uh, turn to, this is a weird one maybe. We don't always go here. 2 Kings 22. Um, if you don't have your Bible, I'd encourage you. Um, there's a great app, YouVersion. Um, and it makes it ten times easier if you're not familiar with the Bible to find the place that we're going. And it's, um, it's 2 Kings 22. As you're turning there, um, I want to share with you a frustration of mine that is probably ten times more frustrating to you than it is for me. Just because as an old man, I don't communicate as much with my phone as you do, I'm sure. Um, but um, when I was, I'm going to sound really old, but when I was your age, um, we texted, but it was only text messages. It was no, like, you didn't have, you know what I mean by the QWERTY keyboard? You had to, like, hit the same key, like, three times. Yeah, to, to, to make words, okay? And when you sent somebody a text, you had no idea if they had read it or not, because service was really bad. But now... You send somebody a snap, and you know the moment they open it. And I know some people, as soon as that, especially if they're talking to somebody that is, like, important to them or that they're, like, you know, excited about, um, as, soon as, as soon as that snap is open, you're, like, counting down, like, okay, it's been a minute, and he hasn't snapped back. It's been two minutes, and he hasn't snapped back. It's been three minutes, and he hasn't snapped back. One of the most frustrating things is when somebody snap when you snap someone they don't and they don't snap you back. You're thinking you read it. Are you that big of a jerk that you won't even just send me a picture of the ground? Like send me a picture of your cat or your 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 ugly dog. I don't care. You know, acknowledge that you've received it because I know you've received it. Um, I don't know. That bothers me. Not that I'm like super judging you if you don't snap back right away, but like burns my biscuits. Anybody else like that? Um, so so sometimes we. We're doing this series about getting closer to God, and sometimes we feel like, well, I'm trying to talk to God, and God's not, God's not responding to me, and you feel sometimes, I do feel that frustration, just like when somebody doesn't text you back or doesn't snap you back, and you know they got the message, you're like, God, I know you got the message, God, I know you spoke to me, but I'm not hearing from you. We're starting this series, and it's called Close. Um, and last, well, two weeks ago, we were snowed in last week. So, how many of y'all got to watch us on um, on the? We we did, we went on YouTube live. We we did a, a live stream. Uh, so that was fun. But it was a break from our last, um, you know, our, our last Wednesday. We started this series called Close, and this whole series is based on is a concept in James four eight, and this is the concept. This is what God says. He says, "Come near to God, and He'll come near to you." Translated from last week, it means that if I feel like there's distance between me and God, if this is the Matt McClay way of saying it, if I take a step towards God, God is going to take a step towards me and God will draw close to me. So we talked about take a step towards God. What does that look like to you? Does it mean praying? Does it mean reading your Bible? So maybe over the last two weeks you've like, okay, I do want to try to get closer to God. So you made some kind of attempt to get close to God, 
maybe you read the Bible on your phone, um, maybe you turned on Caleb on the way to school, um, you know, you, you made some kind of step to get to God, and then you're like, I don't feel like God has drawn any closer to me. I don't feel like God has been talking to me. Well, tonight, what I want to do is I want to give you a 100, I sound like a used car salesman, um, no offense to used car salesman, I want to give you a 100% guarantee that tonight, if you do what I, well, not really what I tell you, but if you do what God tells you to do here, that you will hear from God tonight. A 100% guarantee. And here's how I can give you that 100% guarantee. is because I know this little truth, and you may get tired of hearing me say this tonight. What I've learned is if I annoy you with one phrase, you'll remember it. You may not like me, but you'll remember the phrase. And here's the phrase we're going to learn tonight. God wrote a book. Look at the person next to you say, God wrote a book. God wrote a book. And this is it. It's actually not a book. It's a book of books. There are 66 books in this one book. And each of these 66, well, not each of them, but most of these 66 books were penned by different authors over the course of 2,000 to 2,500 years span. That's how long it took to wrote, the, to, to wrote, to, it's how long it took to wrote this book. I went to Grace Christian, guys, sorry. Um, no offense, I, I went there, so I get to joke. Um, um, so, but it took that long to write this book, and what we learn is that God, these, these guys weren't just writing their own opinions. It said, it says in the Bible, the authors of, of, of these books, the, the physical authors, were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote these words. So when I open this, this book and I read these words, they're not somebody's opinion. These are literally the words that God has given to me. So God wrote a book. So look to the person behind you and let them know that God wrote a book. Okay? God wrote a book. God wrote a book. Now, here, here's the thing, and here's, here's our big thing tonight. If we want to draw close to God, if we want to draw close to God, we got to see what he has to say. Um, and, you know, if you've been here before, you know we do this thing called tag. After the lesson, we split into tag groups. And part of what we do with tag, part of what we do with tag is we have some questions that we ask you. And one of the questions, maybe you roll your eyes at this question, and this is not my passive-aggressive way of judging you, okay? If you know me, you know no judgment here, okay? But um, one thing I like to know is how are we doing as a youth group in reading our Bible? And what I do is I take the responses from your tags. Well, Wyatt and I take the responses from your, your tag questionnaires. We put them into our handy-dandy Excel spreadsheet. And we calculate roughly about how many, like the average youth group student, how many times, and, and leaders, by the way, too, because we count leaders, how, as refuel, how many times a week do we average spending in God's Word? I've been doing this for a couple years now. In 2016, I'll show you what the average was for 2016. It was 2.72. So we spent an average of 2.72 days connecting with God's Word. And I was like, you know what? I mean, that, I, I'm excited that two... You, You've heard from God two days that week. That's pretty good. But you know what we're about? We're always about getting closer and getting closer and getting closer to God. So we want to see, you know, in, in our, each of our lives, we want to see that be, I connect with God three days a week. I connect with God four days a week. I connect with God five days a week, six days a week. I connect with God every day of the week. So that, that was two years ago. Last year, we finished our tag statistics. You want to know what the number was last year? It was 2.71. Um, Jeff does statistics for a living, and he and I were talking about it. He, I think he called it a statistical quagmire. We are in a statistical, I think that's what you said. Um, 
We are in a statistical quagmire. And remember, this, is, this includes leaders. This includes my devos. So this is not judgment on my part. This is me saying, we want to get closer to God. We've got to start taking a step towards hearing him more often in our lives. That's, that's all I'm saying. No judgment. I'm not, I'm not going to look over your shoulder and look at specific people and say, oh, you only talked to, you know, you only read your Bible two days a week or you didn't read your Bible. Like, Sinner, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm going to say, okay? No, okay? no judgment for me, but this is me as like maybe your big brother or your encourager saying, you say you want to get close to God. You say you want God working in your life. When we start seeing improvement as a group and individually in the number of times that we connect with God each day, we're going to see our lives change. We're going to see us connecting with God more, and we're going to be closer to God. Um, so the way that we're going to look at, you know, why I read this book, we're going to look at a guy whose life was really changed by this book, and it's in 2 Kings chapter 22. We're going to read the first two verses of this, and then we're going to kind of summarize this guy's life. Um, his name was Josiah, and this is what 2 Kings says. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Wow. You know, he wasn't like Simba. He didn't have to say, oh, I just can't wait to be king. Because he was eight years old and he was king. You know? Do you like my Simba? Uh, <laughs> so Josiah was eight years old when he became a king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. His mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. Be glad you don't have to read those Hebrew words out loud in front of a bunch of people. He, meaning Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the way his, of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And I don't know why up is in there. I'm pretty sure that's not in the Bible. I'm pretty sure that may have been a copy-paste error from BibleGateway.com. Um, so if you are an underliner or a marker of your Bible, underline in verse 2 it says, he did what was right in the eye of the Lord. If you were to read through Kings, what you would see is there are 22 kings that they talk about in 1st and 2nd Kings. And at the beginning of each of the descriptions of these kings, it says one of two things. It says this king did right in the eyes of the Lord, or this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah was one of the few that did right in the eyes of the Lord. Now Josiah, though, his, you know how kings work, right? If you're a king and you have a son... When you croak, he's king. When he has a son, when he croaks, that son's king. You understand how that works, right, with kings. It's not like presidents. Don't get to elect them, okay? So, so, so um, Josiah's grandfather's name was Manasseh, and he was a bad king. And he drove his nation of Judah into some terrible things. We're going to talk about some, how terrible some of those things were here in a second. And then Manasseh had a son. And his name, I can never remember, is Ammon. 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 Um, and Ammon was even worse than his father. Ammon was such a bad king that his cabinet, like, or the, the, his servants, staged a revolt against him and killed him. And that's why Josiah became king at eight years old, is because his cabinet put, or his servants put his dad to death. They're like, here, you're king, eight years old figure out how to save this crazy country. Can you imagine that? Like some of us, you know, yeah, at 15 years old, it's hard enough to take a learner's test. And this guy is having to be a king and do king stuff. Okay, so that's kind of the way he was, he was uh, raised. And what you see in this chapter to kind of tell you what happens, he wants to do what's right. 
kind of like you. He wants to grow closer to God. So he says, you know what? I'm going to do some things that God likes. And that's usually how we try to start to draw closer to God. Like, I bet God loves, I bet God would, I bet God listens to Caleb when he drives. So I'm going to turn on Caleb. You know, I'm going to start doing, I don't really know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of grasping at straws, doing what God likes. So he's like, you know what? God likes his temple. He likes, they didn't have churches back then, they had temples. He said, I'm going to have the temple cleaned out. Because when his dad and his granddad were king, they used the temple of God to do like really, really evil, disgusting things in that temple, and they let it get run down. So he has all these workers come in and clean this temple. And as they're cleaning this temple, you know, they're going through, you know how your mom is when she's cleaning. She finds stuff from you like a cheese sandwich you ate five years ago, you know, and stuff. Well, they're, they're cleaning through the closets, and they find this book. And they're like, man, what is this book? It's all covered with dust. <sighs> what is this book? <laughs> Sorry, Jordan, you're going to smell like baby powder, man. <laughs> um. What is this book? They start reading. Their, you know what they found? And they were surprised that they found and they had totally forgotten about for hundreds of years? The Bible. Can you imagine if there were people that were cleaning out our church a hundred years from now? And they're like, what is this book? It says Holy Bible on it. And they're surprised to find it in a church. They were surprised to find God's word in the temple as they were cleaning it out. So they're like, King Josiah's got to see this. So they take the Bible and they run it to Josiah. Say, Josiah, we found this book and God wrote it. Because God wrote a book. And God wrote it. So Josiah opens it and he starts reading all the laws of God and everything that God had expected people to do, everything God had expected his nation to do. And he says, oops. You ever read the Bible and you say, I'm not doing that, and I need to do that. So Josiah, he did actually did more than say, oops. Um, it says that Josiah, when he read this and realized how short he had fallen of what God wanted him to do, he started tearing his clothes and crying. He went all emo. And he got all upset. So, you know, so then Josiah says, you know what? I'm king, so I get to say what's up. Our nation's going back to God. Our nation's going to live by this book, and we're going to, this is not a Bible, by the way, I wouldn't put stuff on a Bible. Um, our nation is going to live by this book, and our nation's going to follow this book, so he has this big, obnoxious ceremony where he makes everybody in his country come to the same place, and he says, listen guys, I'm going to start following this book, and you're going to start following this book, and then he goes around in the country and they have all these altars and all these idols and all these temples built to false gods. He comes through with a big caterpillar D10 bulldozer and he starts just demolishing them. He sets some of them on fire. He starts torching his own nation in the spots that were not glorifying to God. And then he throws a big party. A good party. Not that my parents are out of town party. A good party. A God glorifying party called the Passover, and he did it the right way for the first time in a long time. So what we see is Josiah had an encounter with God's word, and it changed his life. Where my baby powder at? So what I'm trying to encourage, I think, you to do is I'm encouraging you, everybody's like, <laughs> I'm encouraging you 
maybe your Bible's not sitting on your nightstand dusty, but maybe in your life it is. I'm encouraging you to pick your Bible back up, blow the dust off it, and let your life be <coughs> changed by God. Just like Josiah's life was changed by God. So you may ask, and this is, these, we're going to do six reasons, six reasons why I should read the Bible. Six reasons why the Bible, reading the Bible will change your life. We'll go to the first one. Reading the Bible will change my life because the Bible, reading the Bible can change my family tree. Um, don't Google image search West Virginia family tree. Just don't. Um, so um, it can change your family tree. If you look at Josiah, um, read what he says about his own people in verse uh, 13. He says, great is the Lord's anger that burns against us. And those, because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book, they've not acted in accordance with all that's written. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know, my dad was not a godly man. My granddad was not a godly man. My great-granddad was not a godly man. But something happened. He read this book, and even though all of his family were opposed to God, he was able to live a life that was pleasing to God. I know this to be true because it's true in my own life. Um, my grandfather, my granddad, um, he, he's, he's passed away now, but he, um, when he was born, he was born to an alcoholic father. And when he was in eighth grade, how many of y'all are in eighth grade? When he was in eighth grade, I mean, his dad was always in and out of the house, beating up on his mom. When he was in eighth grade, his dad finally just peaced out of their lives. He's like, I'm done. Never saw his dad again, eighth grade. Another thing happened in eighth grade. You may have heard about it in your history books. It was called the Great Depression. So my granddad had to drop out of school in eighth grade so he could take care of his family because his alcoholic deadbeat dad wasn't around. Nobody in my granddad's family was saved. My granddad wasn't saved. He met my nana. They got married, but he still wasn't saved. Um, from what I've been told, the McClays kind of have a propensity to down the alcohol. And um, he was following in his dad's footsteps until one day somebody knocked on his door. And that guy was holding one of these books. He read some verses from this book, and my granddad was saved. Um, my granddad, once he was saved, was at church every Sunday morning, evening, Wednesday, became a deacon in that church. Um, his family got saved, my dad got saved, my dad became a pastor, and now here I am, I still have no idea what I'm doing, but here I am talking to you guys about the Bible. Um, all I'm saying is, you think your family tree's pretty messed up? Is this representative of your family tree right here? You're like, yep, that's my, fa that's my family. Like, if, if I could summarize my family in a picture, this would be it. I've got good news for you. Your family tree may go like this and may go like this and may go like this, but I know that God made every tree on the planet. And God made your mom and he made your dad and he made you. And when I start aligning myself with this book and when you start aligning yourself with this book, just like my granddad started aligning himself with this book, you can change your family tree. I know you're, you better be too young to, you know, to, to be thinking about, you know, what are my grandkids going to be like? You know, we don't really think about that yet. But, you know, you could be the one that changes. You could be the one who yeah, my family's not going to grow up with alcoholics in the house. My family's not going to grow up with drugs in the house. My family's going to be different because I'm going to, in my own little way, as an eighth grader, as a sophomore or a junior, I'm going to live my life according to this. 
Reading the Bible can change my family tree. It changed Josiah's family tree. He was, listen to this, of the 22 kings that reigned over Judah, only eight of them, the Bible says, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah, had, he, 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 was bad, he was from a bunch of bad apples. But reading the Bible changed his family tree. The next uh, reason you should read the Bible, reading the Bible can kickstart my prayer life. Remember how I said, you may feel like you pray, and I can't, my prayers don't even get past the ceiling. You know, my prayers don't even get outside the walls of my room. I feel like God doesn't listen to me. Um, wouldn't it be nice if God would just call you on the phone? Wouldn't it be nice if, like, you're like, where is God? You know, where is God? I wish God would call me. Yeah, I wish God would, would try to speak to me and try to contact me. Yeah, I wish he would do something like that. Well, you know what? He called you. And when I pick up this book, I answer the phone. Um, why, don't, why do you think God doesn't answer your prayers? Why does God sometimes not answer my prayers? I think the number one reason is because I haven't been reading the Bible and my prayers are not informed by what God knows to be true. If you read this and you look at verse 19, God is talking to Josiah and he says this. He says, because Josiah, your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before your God when you heard what I'd spoken, he says, I heard you, and then he makes a promise. He says, I heard you because you heard me. I've learned this, that when I hear God, God hears me. When I hear God, how do we hear God? God wrote a book. This is how we hear him. When I hear God, God hears me. Reading can kickstart my prayer life. Um, are you in a place where you really, 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 like, really, 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 really need God to speak into your life? Like, you, you really need to hear from God. Like, more than at any point in your life, you need God to tell you something. You need God to answer your prayers, and you need God to respond to your prayers. Pick up this book. Um, reading can kickstart my prayer life. Reading the Bible can deliver me from impossible situations. See, um, Josiah was in an impossible situation. Um, the wrecking ball of God's wrath was quickly descending on Judah. Remember, he, there, of the 22 kings that um, were in Judah, only eight of them did right in, right was in God's eyes. So God's judgment, God's punishment was coming. I mean, what we're going to learn here is they were actually sacrificing their own children to pagan gods. Like tying their kids up and burning them alive. That's how evil they had become. Okay, so God's not going to let that happen, is he? God's a just God. He's not going to let that his judgment was coming on that nation. But listen to what God said. He said, because, if, if you're reading through this, um, we kind of went through this in verse 19, because your heart was responsive, you humbled yourself when you heard what I have spoken, a.k.a. read God's word, down to the bottom of verse 20, he says, your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. God pushed pause. God pushed pause on his wrath because Josiah read and responded to this book. When I think of an impossible situation, this was me a lot. Uh, this, anybody else like it? This was me a lot. And you're kind of, sometimes, some of you are at that point in the school year where this could really be a reality. Like, the, the, the S word is, is being mentioned, summer school. Like, 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 you're in a tough spot. So you understand what impossible situations are like, right? Um, now, you may say, Matt, you don't under, my impossible situation, it's worse than just a grade. Like, my impossible situation is really impossible. It's really bad. Like, there is no way out of this one. 
Let me ask you this. Have you ever been thrown in a pit with a bunch of lions? Have you ever had to go toe-to-toe with a nine-foot dude in battle? Have you ever been thrown into a bonfire? I think I actually have. Um, but yeah, Not a bonfire, but a fiery furnace. Here's what's so cool, and you read about these guys in God's Word, here's what's so cool, is God specializes in impossible situations. And the one thing we have in common with all the guys that were delivered from the impossible situations is they knew they had this one life hack. They had this, they had this one knowledge that maybe we need to remember. They knew God wrote a book. And they lived their lives by this book, and they were put in impossible situations. And guess what? The giant fell. They went into the fire. They weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. The lions shut their mouths. So don't tell me God can't deliver you from that impossible situation. And when I open this book that God wrote, I connect with the God who does impossible. So that's, that's, to me, that's, that's the third reason. Yeah, God, God saves us from impossible situations. The next one is God can renew, by reading the Bible, God renews my relationship with him. I can renew my relationship with God. Uh, you ever feel like you're very far away from God and you don't care and it scares you that you don't care? You ever feel like, a, you're like, I'm not where I need to be with God, and I really don't care, and that scares me. Um, I've been in that place before, too. And what we learn is this king, King Josiah, when he realized he was in the wrong place, he didn't just kind of try to ease back into his spiritual life. He made a moment. He made this bold declarative statement. He's like, y'all gather around. He didn't really do it like that because he had to send, like, messengers out. Have the whole country assemble. Hundreds of thousands of people assemble in front of him. And he says, he makes this big show of it, you know. And he says, from this day forward, we're serving God. We're living by this book. Um, It's the power of the moment. Um, I've got one of these many, like, prom asks. You know, it's pretty sad for guys now. You know, it was hard enough to work up the nerve to ask a girl out to prom. And now it's not just enough to ask. I mean, it is expected that you come up with some ridiculous prom ask. I was watching one of a, a guy on a YouTube. He stole a gurney from the hospital, had his friends wheel him out like he was having a baby. And he came out as like this baby with a diaper on and he holding the sign, will you, got, yeah, will you go to prom with me? I was like, man, that's weird. But, then, you know, you see the pizzas, you see the Chick-fil-A, you see the, you know, donuts. It'd be so sweet if you go to prom with me. You know, like, all... It demonstrates that we are people who understand the power of the moment. And Josiah understood the power of the moment. He said, I'm going to make a show of it. He said, I'm going to like put my flag in the ground. From this point forward, I'm going to live my life according to God's, um, to God's book. The Bible is a moment maker. If you look at this book, it's filled with moments of people who drew closer to God because they made a decision. And maybe tonight... This could be a moment. You could, this could be like the Bible tonight. The Bible could be your moment maker, and you decide, okay, tonight, I hate that I don't care about God's word. I hate that I'm not where I need to be with God. Tonight, I'm going to do like Josiah. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to start living my life by this book. What's the big truth tonight? I'm going to try that one more time. What's the big truth tonight? Okay, that's pretty good. Two more. The Bible can tear down Satan's strongholds. This is my favorite part of the passage. We're not going to read through the whole passage, but there's a, not to get all nerdy on you, there is a, what's called a parallel passage to this passage, and it's in, Corinth, it's in um, Chronicles. 
It's another account. It's another historical account of this. And what we learn is that before Josiah, you know, did the and discovered God's word, um, he had already tried to get rid of some of the things, the satanic things that were going on in his country. But then he read God's word. And he got real fired up about it. And he got real serious about it. And the things that he wasn't able to get rid of before he read the Bible, he was able to get rid of. Let me just read a couple because this is wild. It's, still, it's in 2 Kings 23. Um, it said, um, he told the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord the articles for Baal and Asherah and the starry host. So in God's temple, there were all these false religious symbols. That would be like me bringing Muslim articles in here and like, bowing down and praying to Mecca in a church. That's what was going on. It, it, gets, it gets a lot, a lot, a lot worse. Um, it says, he took the Asherah pole, which was a, a, a pagan worship, from the temple. He took it down to the valley and he burned it. He was a, this guy was a pyro. He's like me. He was a pyro. He burned it. Um, if you keep going down, he broke down gates. Um, it's, this is wild. 23.7, it says, this is in the temple. He tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. This is how disgusting and sick some of this worship was. Um, they had dormitories in the temple. They, were, they had built dormitories in the temple where, where male prostitutes lived so that people who were worshiping these false gods, part of the worship act was to be with, lie with those prostitutes. That was going on in God's house. He got rid of that. Keep on going down. He says he desecrated, um, this is verse 10, he, this is wild. He desecrated Topeth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could use it to sacrifice their son or daughter in the fire to Molech. That's how bad things get when you get away from this book. You keep going and you keep going all the way down to verse 20 of chapter 23. He's, he's crushing things. He's burning things. He's bulldozing things. He's saying, get this stuff out of here. You know, I, I'm on, I told you last week, I'm on this diet. You know, I'm trying to lose weight. I put on 40 pounds as a youth pastor. Not a good thing. Um, one of the first things we did was we had to get rid of all the junk food in our house. Like, we had to get rid of all the little Debbies. All, well, we couldn't get rid of the Doritos. Addison would kill us. We got rid of some of the Doritos. You know, got rid of the Mountain Dew. You know, we got rid of it. Because if it was there, guess what? I'm, all it takes is one moment of weakness, Right? So, so those were kind of the strongholds in our diet, but some of you have strongholds in your life, and you've taken steps in getting closer to God, but there's that one thing. There's that one thing. There's that one place you like to go on the internet to get your porn. There's that one thing that you let Satan talk you into doing when you're alone in your room and you're depressed and you just need to release the pain. There's that one bad little habit that's in your life. And you think, I'm getting closer to God, but there's this one place where it's like Satan's just dug in and he's not letting you, he's not letting go of that one. The Bible has divine power to break down the strongholds of Satan. So what's Satan's stronghold in your life? I got good news for you. God wrote a book, and through this book, those things can be smashed and burned just like the idols that we see here. Here's the final one. This is my favorite one. That God can bring celebration back into my life. Um, if you're kind of tracking with us on Sunday with the parables that we've been talking about in, in uh, chapter, Luke chapter 15, a lot of God's stories follow this um, setup. Something is lost. Something is found. There is a celebration. Prodigal son is lost. 
he's found, there's a celebration. In this story, we see that something was lost. What was lost? The Bible. God wrote a book and we lost it. Man, that's pretty stupid, isn't it? But it happened. Um, they lost the Bible. They found the Bible and it changed their life, so they had to, they had to celebrate. Um, in the Bible, in this book that they found, most people think they found the Torah, specifically the book of Deuteronomy, um, is prescribed a certain celebration that Jewish people were supposed to do under the Lord. It hadn't been done correctly for thousands and thousands, well, hundreds, of, excuse me, hundreds and hundreds of years. In verse 21 of chapter 23, it says, The king, Josiah, gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. So he had something to guide him, right? God wrote a book and he was living by it. Then it says, neither in the days of the judges or the kings had such a Passover been observed. That's kind of like saying, in all my life I'd never seen a party like that. In all my life I'd never seen a celebration like that. But in the eighth year of uh, Josiah, the Passover, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord um, in Jerusalem. You know, our lives revolve around parties. That's why I have like a 4th of July thing up here. You know, if you think about it, our lives revolve, the thing we, things we look forward to are celebrations and parties. We look forward to 4th of July. We look forward to Thanksgiving. We look forward to Christmas. We look forward to spring break. Can I get an amen? You know, we have stuff to look forward to. Sometimes I think that's why this is such a difficult year, part time of the year, January, February. You have nothing to look forward to until spring break. You have like two whole months with no celebrations. That's sad. You know, that's why we do D now in February. You need something to look forward to. And, and, and in this case, you know, celebrations are a big part of our lives and our lives revolve around celebrations. God made us to live that way. God made us to act that way. I can celebrate because I know what God has planned for my life because he wrote a book. And what's so incredible is when I start living according to this book, and I start saying, wow, God told me to do that. I obeyed, I did it, and this is fun, and I do it again, and I do it again. And before I know it, my life is, is, is a party. Not, not the, when we think of party, all we can think of is the wrong kind of thing, but when you, when you read Revelation, you read Revelation 4 and 5, you see what a good party looks like. You see what an exciting party looks like that's centered around God. And when I celebrate what God's doing in my life, I can party. Um, so those are six reasons to reconnect with God. He wrote a book. We should read it. And maybe in your life, the reason you, you, you're not as close to God as you want to is because you got dust here, and what God is telling you to do tonight is to go and restart your life with God. So how do we do that? The first thing, you've got to prioritize the Bible. Um, you've got to build it into your schedule, right? You've got to set a time. I've got a time set aside with God. I'm like, nobody bothered me during this time. I'm shutting the door. I promise, if you tell your parents, hey, Mom, for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be reading the Bible, would you mind not bothering me unless the house is burning down? If you say it in a nice, respectful way, I bet your mom's going to be totally okay with you going in the, and reading your Bible undisturbed. She'll probably be pretty excited about that. Um, you you got to plan it. you got to prioritize it. If you don't have, you, pl you plan time, you have a set time for practice. You have a set time to go to school or the government's going to come to your house and arrest your parents. You have a set time for the things that are important. Set time for the thing that's important. So prioritize. The next is present your heart to God. Be teachable. Man, you got to love Josiah. When he read this, he wasn't like, man, I'm glad I found this book because Evan's living in such idolatry. He needs to read this. No, when Josiah read this book, he's like, man, I've failed God. I need to change my life. Read the Bible with an open heart. Don't read it hoping to learn something about God. Read it hoping to get to know God and to learn something about you. So present your heart to God. 
here's one of my favorites, pulverized strongholds. Everybody say, pulverize. You know, get, get mad about it. Are you tired of Satan running your life? I am. Are you tired of that one thing that you just can't beat? Open this book and watch as God gives you the power to pulverize those strongholds. Here's the final one. Press the reset button. Press the reset button on your covenant with God. Just like, just like the Israelites, just like the, 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 the people of Judah did. They had this moment where they reset their relationship with God. And maybe for you, setting a time and place where you say, I'm going to let God speak to me today, will reset your life, and you'll start growing closer to God. Um, so here's what we're going to do. It's a weird night tonight. Um, some of our leaders weren't able to make it. So we had some people not able to make it, so we decided for the lesson time to be together again tonight. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell you something special we're going to be doing, and then we, we will split into tag for a little bit. Um, so let, let me pray for you guys. And then I'll tell you that what we're doing. Uh, Father, thank you so much that you wrote a book. That you speak to us. Uh, we don't have to wonder what you have to say. We know what you have to say. We don't have to wonder where we can go to hear from you. We know where we can go to hear from you because you wrote a book. So God, I pray that we will open it, that we will read it, that we will apply it, that we will obey it, that we'll open up our hearts to what you have to say to us tonight and tomorrow and every day we open this book. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.